they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. with the Barbers on this Christmas Day 2020. This is actually a pre-recorded show, but I wanted to do a show for Christmas Day. So um, we're not going to be in the studios on Friday because it is Christmas Day. We're taking the day to spend with our families, and I hope all of you are too, but I hope people will listen to this show. And what I wanted to focus on, and I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but I know that it's part of the tradition of the church, and it, obviously it's in the liturgy. There are three masses for Christmas. Now, with the addition of the vigil, there's a fourth mass. That's a vigil mass. But there are actually three masses for Christmas Day, the mass at midnight, the mass at dawn, and the mass during the day. And the readings for those masses are all different. Each one of those masses is there to focus on a, a different aspect of the manifestation of Christ on the day of his birth. And so we want to look at those. And this is a custom that goes back to ancient times. And in Jerusalem, um, uh, there was a woman who made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and she noticed that at Christmas, but they, they did it at Epiphany. Epiphany was a bigger celebration in the early church than um, the, the birth of Jesus on Christmas. January 6th was a bigger celebration. And what would they do? do it? They would have a mass at midnight in uh, at Bethlehem, at the Nativity, the, the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. And then the pilgrims would go to Jerusalem and arrive at Jerusalem at dawn, and then they would have a mass there at dawn um, at the hour of the resurrection. And then they would go and, and have a second mass at the Basilica of the Resurrection on Christmas Day, during the day. And in, in Rome, what they would do is they would have three masses. Um, there was a midnight mass celebrated at the crib in St. Ma Mary Major. So this would have been after the 5th century, because St. Mary Major's was built in the 5th century. They would have a mass, and, and a relic of the true crib is at that church in Rome. So they would have mass celebrated there at midnight. And then they would have a second mass at the Imperial Church of St. Anastasia. And they would have a third mass during the day at St. Peter's Basilica. And the church has always allowed priests to say three masses on Christmas Day. You can say the three masses, but there's the midnight, the mass at dawn, and the mass during the day. And they all have different readings. So, and we want to look at some of the symbolism of that. Um, you know, we have the, the, all of the antiphons and the readings and what does it mean. And in um, the entrance antiphon for the mass at midnight is, The Lord said to me, You are my son. It is I who have begotten you this day. There's an alternate entrance antiphon. Let us all rejoice in the Lord, for our Savior has been born in the world. Today, true peace has come down to us from heaven. So that's the Mass at midnight, and that's the ent entrance antiphon there. We're rejoicing in the fact that God has become man. And that has a big meaning. That's, it's huge. The first reading there is from the prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. You have brought them abundant joy and great rejoicing as those, as they rejoice before you as at harvest, as a people make merry when dividing the spoils. For the yoke that burdened them, the rod of their taskmaster you smashed as on the day of Midian. For every boot that tramped in battle, every cloak rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for flames." 
For a child is born to us, and a son is given to us. Upon his shoulder dominion rests. They name him Wonder Counselor, God Hero, Father Forever, Prince of Peace. His dominion is vast and forever peaceful. From David's throne and over his kingdom, which he confirms and sustains by judgment and justice, both now and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So the prophet Isaiah is giving this prophecy of the fact that the light will dawn. And, and who is the light? Of course, Christ, Christ is the light of the world. He will tell us that in the Gospels. And so the, the light dawns, and, and he's given these names, Wonder Counselor, God Hero, Father Forever, Prince of Peace, and his dominion is vast and forever peaceful. And of course, that peace comes from the fact that he delivers us from the dominion of sin. He lets us live in the freedom of God's children by living in his grace. And so Christ brings us grace. He brings us the grace that allows us to be able to realize that we can live in freedom from sin. This is what he's freeing us from. Jesus Christ didn't come to free us, free us from poverty or suffering. He didn't come to free us for an earthly paradise. He didn't come to establish an earthly paradise. He came to establish a paradise that will last forever. That's his kingdom in heaven. And we are supposed to begin to build that kingdom here on earth by living according to his commands. We follow his commands. And so we sing in the response serial psalm, Today is born our Savior Christ the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all you lands. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Announce his salvation day after day. Tell his glory among the nations, among the peoples his wondrous deeds. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and what fills it resound. Let the plains be joyful and all that is in them. Then shall all the trees of the forest exalt. They shall exalt before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to rule the earth. He shall rule the world with justice and his people with constancy. And the letter is from, the, the second reading on the Mass at Midnight is from the letter of St. Paul to Titus. And he says, Beloved, the grace of God has appeared, saving all and training us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live temperately and justly and devoutly in this age as we await the blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to deliver us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people as his own, eager to do what is good. So St. Paul is telling us to leave behind the ways of sin and the ways of this world. Christ didn't come to establish a worldly kingdom. He wants us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and live temperately and justly and devoutly in this age to live like the angels. The angels live in the presence of God and their only desire is to do the will of God and to please him. And this is what we are supposed to strive for. And we're looking forward. What does Paul say? We await the blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul is talking about the second coming. So even at the birth of Jesus, we are looking for the second coming. We celebrate the birth, but we're looking for the second coming. We're longing for the second coming. We should be praying for the second coming. We should be hastening the second coming of our Lord by us living temperately and justly and devoutly in this age. We aren't supposed to just pretend like it's whatever I want. Um, freedom is not 
the ability, freedom is not freedom to do whatever I want to do. Freedom is freedom to do what I ought to do. And what I ought to do is I ought to do the will of God and follow his will always and everywhere and in all circumstances. I should, in all of my life, ask the Lord, is this what you want of me? He has a vocation for every one of us. God has given to each of us a calling. He has a work for each one of us to do in his kingdom, to build his kingdom. And, and St. John Henry Newman said, God has given to you a task that he has given to no one else. And if you don't fulfill it, it won't be done. So we all each have a part in the building of God's kingdom. And those who are suffering, I want to say to you and to all of us who are suffering from the current circumstances, our sufferings are not meaningless. They have great meaning because we can unite them to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Our Savior didn't come to obliterate, to get rid of human suffering. He didn't come to annihilate it. He came to fill it with his presence. So all of our suffering has meaning in Christ Jesus. When we unite our sufferings to Christ, we become a part of the salvific plan of God to save others. We become instruments of God's grace to other people. God works in and through us to bring his light to others. There's that beautiful prayer, Radiating Christ, that I believe John Henry Newman wrote, but Mother Teresa used to pray it every day after communion with her sisters. And that was, um, Dear Lord, fill me with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may be only a radiance of yours. Stay with me, Lord, and shine through me. Live in me and shine through me, so to shine that others will see the light. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be from me. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you in the way that you love best, by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by my words, but by my example, the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love that my heart bears to you. And that's not, I think I've left out some things in that prayer, but you can look it up, Radiating Christ. Mother Teresa's sisters pray that prayer every day after Holy Communion, and I believe they got it from St. John Henry Newman. And it's, it's just a beautiful prayer, and this, this is what Christmas is about, is to shine the light of Christ onto others. So now we go on to the gospel for the Mass at midnight. And the Alleluia verse, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. Today a Savior is born for us, Christ the Lord. And the gospel at midnight is from Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time of her to, for her to have her child came, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there's the music. We're going to take our first break, and I'll have to finish this gospel after the break and give a little commentary on it before we move on to the next Mass of Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us. 
May God richly reward you and live in your heart. great man once said that evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose this war, and in so doing lose this great way of freedom of ours, history will report with the greatest astonishment that those that had the most to lose did the least to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now that we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that were intended for us by our founding fathers. Every generation of Americans needs to know that freedom exists, not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. You weren't made to fit in, my brothers and sisters. You are born to stand out, set yourself apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. God bless you. Leviticus 11.44 says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. St. Vincent Pilati said, You must be holy in the way God asks you to be holy. God does not ask you to be a Trappist monk or a hermit. He wants you to sanctify the world and your everyday life. May God show us the path to holiness and help us to follow it all the days of our life. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you and welcome back. And this is Mary Danielle. I'm doing a pre-recorded show for Christmas 2020. So, um, unfortunately, I can't take calls, but I, I love to take calls from people when we're doing the Bible study. Again, we're looking at the three Christmas Masses, the Mass at midnight, the Mass at dawn, and the Mass during the day, which this is an ancient tradition from the church. This is, goes back many, many years. So we were reading the gospel from the Mass at midnight. It's Luke chapter 2, 1 through 4, and I read the first part, so we'll finish off here. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in David's city, a Savior has been born for you, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we have this gospel for the mass at midnight, and it gives us the background that Caesar Augustus called a census. And so Joseph has to leave Bethlehem and go to, no, he has to leave Nazareth. He was in Nazareth. I'm sorry. He has to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem to be registered there with his wife, Mary. She's betrothed. That they're, they're married, and she's with child. Um, it's interesting because some scholars say, well, obviously this is, you know, not historical because who Quirinius was governor of Syria. Well, it turns out that Quirinius was, um, he was a pref- it was not exactly a governor in the sense that we understand a governor, but at one point um, in about 4 BC, he was assigned to Syria as an overseer of some site. I can't remember the exact term there, but... So, and then it says that he went, Joseph went, and he went up to Galilee, to, to Bethlehem. From, and it's interesting that he goes um, up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David. And what it says up from, and if you look, well, you're, in, in our minds, we think, well, wait a minute. Galilee is north of Jerusalem. Why do we say we're going up to Jerusalem or up to the, the hill country of Judea? Well, because it is a hill country. And when people went to Jerusalem, they had to go up into the mountain that that Jerusalem was built on and the same, the hill country surrounding it. There's this hill country that that wasn't in Galilee. So you're going up to the mountains, even though you're going south. Um, That's why you're going up. And and so Mary, while they're there, she um, wraps her son in swaddling clothes and lays him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. And this, of course, you know, this is, it's midnight, it's bitter cold, um, and there's a, there's a beautiful, uh, it's called the St. Andrew Novena. And there's this prayer you pray 15 times a day, beginning on the feast of St. Andrew until Christmas day, hail and blessed be the hour and the moment in which the son of God was born at midnight in Bethlehem in piercing cold in that hour about safe. Oh my God, to hear my prayer and grant my desire through the merits of our savior, Jesus Christ and of his blessed mother. And this beautiful prayer commemorates the fact that Christians have always believed that Jesus was born at midnight. So you have these shepherds in the hills who are keeping their watch over the fields of their flock in, in um, night watch. What's interesting is um, scholars, some scholars have also said, well, obviously Jesus was not born during winter because if he was born during winter, the shepherds wouldn't have been out in the fields. It turns out that there is a group of shepherds who do keep their fields in the flock, their, their flocks in the fields year round. And those are the shepherds who raise their sheep to be sacrificed in the temple. So the, 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 the lambs that are used for temple sacrifice are raised by shepherds who keep night watch over their flocks year round. So even in the wintertime, they're out in the fields with their flocks. And as they're watching their flocks, the, the angel of the Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And of course, if we were to see an angel of the Lord, we would be filled with fear, a holy fear, an awestruck fear. We would be awestruck. We would, be, we would feel humbled and, and just 
wow, what, what is this? This beauty, this glory, this goodness. And this is just a creature. This is just a messenger of God. What would it be like if we saw God? They, they, the, the Bible tells us if we saw God face to face, it would we would die. <laughs> so God hides himself. It's like Jesus became a little child, so we wouldn't be afraid to approach him. Jesus comes to us in the Eucharist under the form of bread. It's, a, it's just the form. It's no longer bread. It's really Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity has been changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity. The bread has been changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity by Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the priesthood that Jesus established. So, but, so we, he, Jesus hides his glory and his divinity because we would be struck dead if we actually saw it, unless he were to sustain us. And so the, the shepherds are full of fear, and the angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you tidings of great joy. The angels, this is the, the mass of midnight. It's the mass of the angels, the angels announcing. And this is why we're supposed to try and live like the angels. So that when the announcement of the Lord comes to us, we can be open to hearing it. If our lives are filled with sin, if our lives are filled with the things of this world, we don't have room for God to come in. In order for God to be able to enter into our lives and come in and take possession of us, in order for us to be able to possess God, we have to empty ourselves of the things of this world so that we can be filled with the Lord. We want to be filled with the Lord. And so the angel comes and he says, don't be afraid. Your Savior has been born. And, and this is the sign for you. <laughs> You're going to find a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then we have this beautiful, and suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angels singing and praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So had the shepherds done something extraordinary to merit this revelation? This was God's choice. No, it was just God's choice. It's like that. It's God chooses us. He wants us. He wants to bestow grace upon us. Are we open to receiving? That's the question. You know, we're not, as, as Catholics, we're not saying, oh, well, the reason the, ain't, the shepherds got to hear about it is because they merited this. And no, no, God gives us his grace unmerited. God didn't wait until we were saints to fill us with his grace. As a matter of fact, we're told while we were yet sinners, God sent his son into this world to save sinners. So he bestows his grace on us because he desires to do so. He longs to save us. He longs to bring us into union with himself. And so he sends his angels and he still sends his angels to us. Every one of us has a guarding angel and that angel tries to inspire us to do good, to pray, to develop a relationship with God, to stay close to God in our lives, to ask God, what is my vocation? How am I to serve you today? And, you know, if I'm, I am a married woman, I have a husband and children, and I now I have a grandson, we have a grandson. So our duty is to serve our family first. Our duty isn't to go out and conquer the world in terms of, you know, run all over the world and, and give talks all over the place necessarily. Our duty is first within the family to sanctify the home and then as lay people, we sanctify the temporal order. We sanctify the, the marketplace and we sanctify the, our political arena. We're supposed to be involved in these things, these things. But it's not for their own sake. It's to bring Christ into everything in our lives, to make sure that Christ is a part of everything in our lives. So this Mass at Midnight focuses on the presence of the angels. 
And the angels, of course, that, that, that reading from Titus, from St. Paul's letter to Titus, tells us how to live with the angels, and the prophecy from Isaiah telling us who Jesus is going to be. And he is the Lord of everyone and of everything, okay? And those who walked in darkness see the great light, because the light is Christ. And Christ is the light that enlightens us. And he sends his angels as messengers to tell us about the light. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. But remember what Bethlehem means, house of bread. And what's interesting, they're going to find him in Bethlehem and they're going to find him lying in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough. So here, Jesus as an adult will tell us that he is the bread of life. So the bread of life is born in the house of bread and he's laid in a manger, a feeding trough. He comes to feed us on his own flesh and blood, which will, he will reveal to us in his life and is in the gospels. He reveals himself to us so that in this mass of the angels, we're being invited to open ourselves to the invitation of God to be able to invite the Lord into our life and allow him to come in and be the Lord of our whole life and then to, to receive him in holy communion so that our souls will be united to him. And this is his grace. This is his design. This is what God has made. So then we have the mass at dawn. And what happens in the mass of dawn? Well, the entrance antiphon says, today a light will shine upon us for the Lord is born for us and he will be called wonder, wondrous God, Prince of Peace, Father of the future age, and his reign will be without end. And of course, that's part of the first reading that we had from Isaiah for the mass at midnight. And in the, in the first reading for the Mass at Dawn is from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 62, 11 and 12. See, the Lord proclaims to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter Zion, your Savior comes. Here is his reward with him, his recompense before him. They shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called frequented, a city that is not forsaken. So it's the promise that the Lord is going to send his Savior. He is faithful. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis, the Proto-Evangelium, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, God declares, he says to the, to the serpent. Between her seed and your seed, it will strike at your head while you strike at its heel. And so God keeps his promise. God is faithful. God is always faithful. And so now we're focusing on Zion and the, the, the Savior is coming to Zion finally. This is the promised Savior whom God for thousands of years of human history has promised to his people that he will remember them and he will not leave them prisoners of sin. He will not leave them prisoners of debauchery, but he will come again and claim them as his own and bring them back into union with himself as he made them in the beginning. Remember, he made Adam and Eve in union with himself. They were made in grace. And the responsorial psalm, a light will shine on us this day. The Lord is born for us. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many isles be glad. The heavens proclaim his justice and all people see his glory. Light dawns for the just and gladness for the upright of heart. Be glad in the Lord, you just, and give thanks to his holy name. So we, we rejoice in the Lord. And we're coming to the end of the second section already. 
And we're going to continue with the Mass at Dawn. We'll read from St. Paul's letter to Titus and then from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 2, 15 through 20. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. So we're doing a pre-recorded show for Christmas to wish you all a Merry Christmas, to thank you for listening, and thank you for your support for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I'll be back right after this break to try and give you a little more insight. Logan, what has Virgin Most Powerful Radio done for you? Well, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, i got to say, I've been a listener for about a year now, and it's really helped me grow closer to my faith and the fact that I'm listening and I'm getting unsugar-coated, clear, charity with clarity, Catholicism. And it's really helped me even, you know, grow so much deeper in my faith as a young man and discern the priesthood and have a love for Jesus Christ. And this is so seen on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful, the unsugar-coated, clear truth of our Catholic faith that is so lacking today. It's almost like the Terry and Jesse show. It's the orange juice Catholicism. It's filling things up. I just need to give my shout-out, my praise. I'm just so appreciative. It just really helped me, and I know now people want to hear this. It inspires me to want to speak it, and it inspires me to even go as far as discerning the priesthood to think I should speak this. We need to stand up for our beautiful faith. This is the unsugar-coated beauty, and this is just what I've seen on the Terry and Jesse show. I encourage so many listeners to start donating and support this cause. It has just really impacted my life, and all I just want to give is some praise to it. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR. And may God richly bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And again, Merry Christmas. I'm doing a pre-recorded show for Christmas 2020. I wanted to go through the readings for the three masses of Christmas. And there are three, three masses, and they have separate readings, the mass at midnight, the mass at dawn, and the mass during the day. And we're in the middle here of the mass at dawn. And um, the mass at dawn, we will read the, the letter to Titus, and then we'll read the gospel. So we have the letter to Titus. It's Titus 3, 4 through 7. And Paul says, Beloved, when the kindness and generous love of our God, of God our Savior, appeared, not because of any righteous deeds we had done, 
But because of his mercy, he saved us through the bath of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he richly poured out on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. And this is it. This is our hope for, is for eternal life. Our hope is not for a paradise on this earth. It's for eternal life. And it's not because of something we've done. It's because of God's mercy. It's because of his kindness. He pours out his Holy Spirit on us. Jesus Christ came to bring us back into union with God. And he established his church and he gives the sacraments as the means of grace to reunite us to God. Baptism is the first sacrament whereby we become children of God and enter into, that's that bath of rebirth through the baptism is the bath of rebirth and we're reborn, but it's God's mercy. It's the mercy of God that does this. So we praise him for his mercy and we glorify him and we thank him and we want to praise him. And, and at this Christmas time, we, we want to remember what it means. It's not just about nostalgia. It's not just about looking back and, you know, being sentimental. And, and um, there's, even in Christ's birth, there's great suffering, isn't there? Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem when Mary's nine months pregnant. And then there's no room for them in the inn. So the child is brought forth in a, in a, in a, in a stable and he's laid in a manger. So there's poverty and there's suffering and that will continue during the Christmas season, we see other aspects of the suffering that came to the Holy Family at the birth of Christ. And yet there's this joy of being in union with the Lord. And that's, Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. And when we unite our sufferings to Christ, there can be joy in the midst of suffering because the suffering has meaning. We can't endure suffering for suffering's sake, but we can endure suffering for the, for the good that God can bring about through it if we will cooperate in his plan. So it is Christ who brings us. He is our Savior. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is our hope. And he, we become heirs to eternal life through him. That is our hope, is eternal life. And this is what we desire and we hope for and we pray for. So the gospel for the Mass at dawn, this is the Mass at dawn. This, was, this is the second Christmas Mass. And by the way, there was a tradition in the, in the early church that, that people would actually assist at three masses. They would assist at the midnight mass, the mass at dawn, and the mass during the day. So we have the gospel according to Luke. And the gospel verse, the Alleluia verse before the gospel is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So this is tying us to the mass at midnight. Okay, we don't, we're not just... Um, So, so the, 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 the gospel verse here ties us back to the Mass at midnight. And then we have the gospel for this Mass, which is Luke 2, 15 through 20. And what happens? When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go then to Bethlehem to see these things that have taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that they had been told about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and reflected on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, 
glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as it had been told them. So the shepherds, now the angels came in the midnight mass, the angels came, they announced to the shepherds the birth of of the Messiah. And what do they do immediately? When the angels go back to heaven, the shepherds immediately go to Bethlehem. Let's go see what this, what has been made known to us. So they go there and they find it just as that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So they find this little babe in the stable wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And there is his mother and St. Joseph are there. And that's, you know, always remember St. Joseph was there. (laughs) St. Joseph was there. Mary wasn't doing this all alone. God gave her St. Joseph as a protector and a defender. And this is the year of St. Joseph. So we want to remember, we want him, bring him back. Make sure he's always there in the manger scene. Make sure his Christmas cards, you know, that St. Joseph is there on the Christmas card because he was there. He was an integral part of this. He definitely was an integral part of this because this was God's plan. God wanted him as an integral part. So the shepherds come and they obey the angels. And this is, needs to be our attitude, the attitude of obedience. Are we, are we being obedient to God? Are we following the will of God? Are we keeping, um, you know, are we, are we striving to keep the commandments and to grow closer to God in our daily life? And by the way, the first way to do that is through prayer. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, people ask me what my secret is. I tell them it's simple. I pray. Prayer is a loving conversation with someone who loves us. And reading the scripture is prayer. Praying the rosary is prayer. Assisting at Holy Mass is prayer. But engage your mind and your heart in your prayer. Make your whole being part of that prayer. St. Ignatius of Loyola taught that when you pray, use your imagination. If you're reading the scriptures, use your imagination to picture what Christ looked like, to hear the sound of his voice, to see the people who are in the crowds that he's talking to, or see the woman at the well, or the woman caught in adultery. And, and, and listen to him and look at Jesus's face and see the love that shines forth from engage all of your faculties in your prayer, make them serve this moment of conversation with God. And that's what it is. It's a conversation. And there should be that, you know, when you, there should be that moment when you just look at the Lord and just say, my God, I love you. And I want to love you. And I want to hear your voice. And I want to speak with you. And the time of silence, for us to be silent and let him speak. And all of this is prayer. And our work, too, we can offer as a prayer, but, but there should be set-aside times. We should set aside specific time for prayer where we just have conversation with God and, and then try and practice the presence of God continually throughout our day so that our whole life becomes a living in the presence of God. So this is what these shepherds did. They immediately come back and they immediately go from their sheep, go over to Bethlehem and find the child, find out what the angel told them, see it for their own, you know, firsthand. And then they go back, they go back praising God for what they have seen. And how does Mary respond? Mary responds by reflecting on these things in her heart. And it's interesting, Monsignor has been pointing out to us in the Gospel of Luke, Luke uses these literary devices, you know, and it it says, so they came and they found uh, the baby lying in the manger, Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. So they tell Mary and Joseph what the angel had said. And then all, but not just to Mary and Joseph, it says, all who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept these things and reflecting on them in her heart. And you're thinking, oh, well, 
Okay, they came and they saw it, and then right away they go out and start preaching to people, and Mary's keeping these things. But then it says, then the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God. Well, it's a literary device. Luke is kind of closing off the chapter, and he's saying, okay, they came to Bethlehem, and then he's telling you, you know, before they go, they're, they're going to go back to the fields. But in the meantime, whenever they encounter anyone now, they tell them about what they saw in Bethlehem, what they was told them by the angel. And in the meantime, Mary keeps all these things and she ponders them in her heart, you know. And so um, when we read the Gospels, we need to try and understand the writer. It's like when Luke says that after he after Mary and Joseph present Jesus in the temple at when they, at 40 days, then then they go back to, to Nazareth. Well, yeah, they went back to Nazareth, but by way of Egypt, right? Because they they had to go to Egypt and and they were in Egypt for several years, tradition tells us, before they went back to Nazareth. So they don't go immediately back to Nazareth after the after the presentation. They went, they were in Bethlehem, and then when they have to leave because Herod is seeking the life of the child, they go to Egypt and they go. But Luke doesn't give you all those details. He doesn't necessarily give you all the details. Okay. But, but the point here is that obedience, that obedience to what the angel says, the call of God that comes to us through the angel. And we all have an angel. We have a guarding angel who is at our side. And God speaks to us through our angel. Our angel is constantly trying to encourage us. Go to confession. Say your prayers today. Do your duty well. Do it in union with Jesus. Offer your sufferings in union with Jesus. Go to Mass if your duties allow you to go to daily Mass. Go to Mass on Sunday. Um, don't forget your duty toward God, but don't forget your duty toward the poor and toward your neighbors. If you have more than you have need of this world's goods, then you're supposed to use what's extra to serve the poor. Give to the poor. So the angel is constantly exhorting us and reminding us, and we should be like the shepherds, that obedient response to continually respond, to immediately do what it is that the angel has told us to do. And so now we're going to go on to the mass during the day. And the Mass during the day is the third Mass of Christmas. And so we have the reading from the book of prophet Isaiah. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring glad tidings, announcing peace, bringing good news, announcing salvation, and saying to Zion, your God is king. Hark, your sentinels raise a cry. Together they shout for joy. For they see directly before their eyes the Lord restoring Zion, Break out together in song, O ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord comforts his people. He redeems Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will behold the salvation of our God. Isaiah 52, 7 through 10. And so Isaiah is announcing this, that God will make the ends of the earth see his salvation. That his salvation isn't just for the Jews, but it's for everyone. It's for everyone, all the nations. God comes to save all the nations. We're all his people. And he wants to bring us all into the one household of, that is his, and that is the church. So we bring the gospel by our lives. And there's the music. This was the third section on here. And we have one more section on this program. Again, this is a pre-recorded program. Wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and a holy and happy new year. Thank you for your support and listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And we'll be back to finish off in a few moments. Hebrews 11.3 says, 
by faith we come to understand. According to St. Augustine, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. May God grant us a strong living faith in Him and His divine plan of salvation and help us to believe so that we may understand. How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Christmas Day. And I'm doing a special pre-recorded program for Christmas Day. I wanted to look at the three masses of Christmas Day, which are three separate masses. The Mass at midnight, the Mass at dawn, and the Mass during the day. And now we're looking at the Mass during the day. And we um, read the first reading. Am I at the right place here? Yes, I, I believe so. We read the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, where it talks about that the salvation comes to all the nations. God is coming to save all the nations. And then we have the responsorial psalm. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of our God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. The Lord has made his salvation known in the sight of the nations. He has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song, sing praise. Sing praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the melodious song, with the trumpet and the sound of the horn. Sing joyfully before the King, the Lord. So this is, we sing joyful songs to the Lord for his salvation. God comes to save us from sin. We don't have to live in slavery to sin. We can live in freedom and we can find joy in the midst of suffering when we unite our sufferings to Christ. So for the mass during the day, the first reading is from the letter to the Hebrews. 
Brothers and sisters, in times past, God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he has made heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. He who, who is the refulgence of his glory, the very imprint of his being, and who sustains all things by his mighty word. When he had accomplished purification for sins, he took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high, as far superior as the angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. Or again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. And again, when he leads the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. So this reading from Hebrews is a testimony to the divinity of, the, of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. The second person of the Blessed Trinity really took to himself a human nature and became man. And God speaks to us through his very own Son, who is the refulgence of his glory, the very imprint of his being, through whom the world was made. And Jesus is not an angel. He's God. He's God, but he takes not an angelic nature. He takes a human nature in order to redeem human beings. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. So he became man to pay a debt he didn't owe. He redeemed us by his blood because only God himself could pay back to God the price for the sin that was committed. But at the same time, it had to be paid back by the creature who did it. So a man had to pay back, but it could only be a God-man because only God could pay back to God what was owed to God, but only a man could pay back to God what he took from God. So God became man. God's ways are not our ways, and they surely are amazing. And so the Alleluia verse, verse before the gospel says, A holy day has dawned upon us. Come, you nations, and adore the Lord, for today a great light has come upon the earth. And so we have the theme again of light, and now it's the theme of the nations coming to the Lord. And again, this is the mass. that Mass at midnight was the mass of the angels. The mass at dawn was the mass of the shepherds. This has traditionally been called the mass of the wise men. And the gospel is the gospel, is the prologue to the gospel of John. 1 John 1 through 18. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and the life was the light of the human race, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to the light, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave the power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by man's decision but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the father's only son, full of grace and truth. 
John testified to him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I said, The one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace, because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son, God, who is in the Father's side, has revealed him. The gospel of the Lord. And so in this gospel, we see that from the, in the beginning, the word was with God. And it is the word who becomes flesh, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. So we worship a God who is a trinity of persons, but there aren't three gods. There is one God, and in that God, there are three divine persons. We couldn't know this except that God himself revealed it. We wouldn't know that God was father except that his son became man to reveal that he has a father. The son is begotten by the father before the world began. And the world is made through him. And apart from him, nothing comes to be that is. And he comes to bring the light into the world. And it's not those who are born by human generation, but who are born of God. Those who become children of God through baptism. That those are the ones who accept him. And when we accept him, we become the children of God. St. John will say in his first letter, Dearly beloved, we are God's children now. What we will later be has not yet come to light, but when it does, we know that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But through baptism, we are God's children. So we come into this world, and then God gives us his grace through the sacraments, through the church that he established. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is truly God. He is truly God, but he really took to himself a human nature to redeem the human nature. In the early church, when there was this controversy, the Arian heresy came up, and Arius, the priest, said, well, Jesus wasn't really God, but he wasn't really man. He was kind of some kind of a third creature. And, and the response of St. Athanasius was, well, if he wasn't God, then he didn't have the power to redeem us. And if he wasn't man, then we're not redeemed either because whatever he didn't assume wasn't redeemed. He had to be God and he had to assume our full human nature. God, because only God could pay to God the price that was owed for the sin, that, because sin was an infinite offense against God. Man, because only if man could, only man could return back to God. The, the nature of man had fallen and had been estranged from God. So God assumed human nature in order to restore human humankind to friendship with God. We were estranged from God. And if, if he didn't assume our human nature, then our human nature isn't redeemed. We're not redeemed. We human beings aren't redeemed. So yes, Jesus really became, he didn't become a human person. He became a human being. He was a, he took to himself a human nature, but he was only one person. He didn't have a split personality. He was the second person of the blessed Trinity, the son of God who becomes man. And so this is Christmas. We're, we, we are rejoicing in the fact that God didn't leave us in our sin. God didn't leave us slaves to sin. He frees us from the power of sin and death by his own coming into this world. He made us to be in union with himself. And so 
Christmas isn't just about nostalgia. It's not just about looking back. We're also longing, eagerly longing for Christ to come again. The angels rejoice, midnight mass. The shepherds, the people of Israel, the shepherds representing the people of Israel, rejoice. Israel rejoices in the salvation that God has brought, that God promised. And then the mass at, and the, during the day representing the, the wise men, that's representing all the Gentile nations being brought into the people of God. And this was from ancient, in the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites were supposed to bring the nations to God. But unfortunately, what usually happened was instead of Israel bringing the nations to God, the nations dragged Israel away from God and, and Israel would follow the pagan gods. And we still have this trouble today we as the church, the, all of us as members of the church of Jesus Christ, the Roman Catholic Church, we're supposed to bring others to Christ by the love. Remember in the beginning in the early church, what does it say in the Act of the Apostles? See those Christians, how they love one another. This was what brought people into the church was this love. And we're supposed to have this same love for our enemies, not just for our friends and our family, but for our enemies. So we're supposed to pray for the conversion of sinners. We pray, pray for the suffering. We pray for those who are trying to destroy religion and the worship of God, trying to take away the public worship. We pray for them. We beg God to, in, to send the angels out to enlighten the consciences of their charges so that their charges will realize that what they're doing is opposed to the will of God, that God wants all men to follow his commandments. He wants us to live in a union of love that is centered in him. And so we come to this Christmas with the possibility of celebrating all three of these masses, meditating on this rich mystery. Christmas shouldn't just be about getting lost in giving gifts or getting gifts or making a meal where we're all going to commit gluttony. No, this isn't what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Christ coming into the world as our savior at Bethlehem, but also we're looking for his second coming and we're looking for being united to him forever in heaven. This is threefold part of the mystery. And we want to remember all that God has done. So we want to look at all these rich readings. There are nine readings and then the Psalms in between, three Psalms, so nine, 10, 11, 12 readings as it were, for the Christmas day. You could spend your whole Christmas Day meditating on that. I'm not saying don't have fun with your family, but take more time to pray on Christmas Day. Take more time. Stop and pray the rosary. Stop and spend some time in front of the manger and read some of the readings. If you went to one of the masses, read readings from the other masses in front of the manger in your home. Do something to make Christ more of the center. Merry Christmas to you all. May God richly bless you and fill your life with his light and his truth and his grace and his mercy. Thank you for all your support of Virgin Most Powerful Radio, your prayers, your sacrifices, your sufferings. All of those of you who pray for us, thank you. All of those who donate to us, thank you. You're welcome to uh, donate anything you want here at the end of the year, especially your prayers and sacrifices. And we hope to see you again next year on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you have enjoyed this Christmas Day meditation on the announcement of Christmas Day. <laughs>